Hello again. I had to compose some thoughts. Um, I wanted to touch base on something I had talked about prior about support systems being broken. Um, sometimes I think that a person is going through so much that other people can't handle it because they can't handle what's going on in their life. So therefore, they can't be there for you, which I get because right now I can't be there for anybody. I can barely be there for myself and my children right now. I am an anger part of grief and I've been here for a while now and I've sat here with my anger and I've been mad at everybody I've been mad at everybody mad I was mad at the work crew that day I was mad at the car owner I was mad I was just mad because um, when things happen we want to blame somebody and I needed to do that and then due to unforeseen circumstances, it just, it tore apart friendships and it tore apart families and it made people pick sides when they never should have had to. And just a lot, a lot happened. And I, I know that I have found more strength in strangers than I have in people I know. But I also know that the people that I know in my life watched me go through what I went through. And I'm sure somewhere in the back of their head they're asking themselves, how in the hell Oh Lord, won't you alive? buy me? That was my text messaging going off. A friend asked me if I want to come get fuzzy because I don't take any prescription medications. I just smoke a lot of fuzzy. Um, anyways... As I was saying, a lot of times when that happens, people just, they can't. And I didn't understand that before. And most days I do understand that. But some days I'm still like, woe is me. Nobody cares. I don't have friends. But I have to realize that I do have friends. Frances reaches out to me every day. I just made a new work friend, Ashley. She's fucking awesome. She reaches out, even when we're not at work. Um... Leslie, she's fucking fabulous. Casey, a new friend I've made. I've known for years, but we're like friends now, not just people that know each other. Like, I went to her work. I was a regular, ultimately. Um, so that's good. There is a handful of people, maybe two handfuls of people, if you count a fellowship of juggalos, um, that were there for me. And I... I never met any of those people, and to this day, I have not met any of those people. And the person that brought me to that group of humans that were so wonderfully there for me, without ever meeting me or knowing me or meeting Nick or knowing Nick, um, passed away a little over a month ago. Um, I did go to her funeral, and I did get up and say some words. Um, huh, and I whoop-whooped. She's juggalo, and that's what we do. Um... So, yeah, so she brought me to those kind-hearted people. And then another woman, call her Deb, uh, stumbled across my group, my Team Nick group, while she was looking for a Nick in California. She found my Nick. That lady has become like a grandma to my children and like a very awesome friend to me. And she has since lost several of her children her in poor health herself. She's in her 80s. But that woman checked on me when nobody else did in the middle of the night. I'm in Michigan, she's in California, we're in time, different time zones. But that lady checked on me. 
Never having lost a child, that woman checked on me and her heart went out to me. And then COVID hit and she lost a daughter and she's lost several family members since. And we check on each other like once a month now, but we still check on each other. Um, there was a couple of people that messaged me that made sure I was doing okay and I would reach out to, you know, and everybody was going through their stuff. I just know that when I needed someone the most, it felt like nobody was there. And that's the part that hurts the most because I have spread myself thin to help people. I have housed people. I have been there for people. I put, put my, I was watching my son die and I was still there for people. And now I sit back and I'm like, wow, like what happened? Like, I get it. It's, it's rough to hear, but I still need somebody, and I shouldn't have to be silenced because you're uncomfortable. Um, and I'm not going to be silenced because you're uncomfortable. People die. Our children die. Adults, young, whatever. My son was 22 when he took his last breath. He took his last breath July 31st. And we had birthdays that started, Nick's birthday, July 5th. Mine was the 10th. You got his other little brother, Jacob's the 15th. You had... You know, Chaz is the 22nd. Also, there was other family members that had birthdays in July. That was just Nick's siblings and his mom and shit. Um, and he died in the same month. He seriously turned 22 July 5 and, and died July 31st. And I guess until you've signed those papers to put your child on hospice and bring him home to die and know that every second is your last second. That's... I remember going home... Um, after we had left the hospital, we got into the ambulance to go back to the house, his adult foster care house, and they drove around the city of Grand Rapids because it was his last ride. And we got back to his house and welcomed with everybody that needed to be there to get him situated. And I had time to go home and get my bags together so I could live at Nick's house with him. Um, and to take a shower and to see my children that I hadn't seen. And I about passed out in the shower because I was having a horrible anxiety attack and I really thought I was going to die. Um, and I never shared that with anyone. I don't know that anybody even realizes that that day in the bathroom... You got mail! Uh-huh. I was losing my fucking shit. And I don't think anybody realized it. And then my ride was late. And I was irritated, even though I know that my nephew has autism and he's hard to get out the door. I was like, my kid is dying and I need to get back up there and I don't have a car and I can't drive and all those things that cause anxiety. Um, I made it back to Nick and I never left his house. That was July 17. I left his house on July 31st after I put him in the back of the funeral home car van um that morning that Nick died um I was there with him when he took his last breath uh we helped I helped um get him wrapped up cause they didn't use a body bag they used a beautiful quilt and I put him on the stretcher and I walked him out I put him in their vehicle and I shut the doors and I banged on the door and that was the last time I saw my son.
and it hurts. But now I find comfort in talking about him and sharing my story. And I'm writing a book that'll fill in all the blanks. It's been a very difficult process, but I think it's the only way I'm ever going to heal. So I went home that day very broken, and my daughter at the daughter says to me on that day, she says, Mom, am I the oldest sibling? I'm the oldest now. And I said, you're the oldest living child, but Nick will always be the oldest. And it's been very rough for all of us, and we've all had our arguments because my kids thought I wasn't there for them when I was being there for Nick. And... It's really hard to watch my kids be in so much pain. Um, but yeah, on that, I went home that day and my sister and my niece and my nephews came over and we smoked and we talked and then they brought me to the funeral home to write the obituary and all that stuff. And my friend and I composed Nick's eulogy, which I delivered at the memorial service and that was beautiful um but now I um I do art and I put Nick's ashes in the art and I am getting out there letting people know that I can put their loved ones in things too it's a process guys sometimes you have to lay down and die for a minute and then get back up. Sometimes you just gotta cry. You gotta let it out somehow. Oh Lord! Won't you? Um, I'm waiting for a phone call. Or I would have turned my ringer off. Anyways. There's a little bit of insight. Now I'm gonna go pull myself together and go hang out with my friend like the boss bitch I am. Enjoy your day.